Father, I thank you today for the privilege of being able to stand behind this sacred stand and deliver to this congregation the word that I feel that you've laid upon my heart today. And I ask you, God, for your help. I ask you, God, for wisdom, strength to deliver uh, the message. Uh, Lord, not that I would be recognized, but that the world uh, would see you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Once again, I'd say it's good to be here this morning. You know, I'm, I've always been one of those that love to preach about the goodness of God, the love of God, uh, to tell you that God's on your side, to tell you that God is the one who is there to lift you up whenever you're down. And as Pastor says many times that Jesus is right for whatever's wrong in your life. But uh, this morning I feel led to speak in just a little different way. I want to challenge us this morning to be more than we are now. To step it up a notch. To look ahead and stop looking behind. To strive to be all that God has for you and I to become. I want to talk to you this morning along the subject line of the sin of satisfaction. The sin of satisfaction. You see, we live in a world that is never satisfied. The meaning of satisfaction is this. It means the fulfillment of one's wishes, the fulfillment of one's expectations, or the fulfillment of one's needs, and the feeling, the pleasure that is derived from those uh, events. Whenever we get what we want, then we are very satisfied with where we are. But the world is never satisfied, and I do believe this morning that the world is seeking more and more every day, and the world side of us is influencing our thinking. You see, uh, one survey said in, in 2018 there were more than 40 million abortions in this world, that there was a murder took place every 25 minutes. A rape took place every five minutes, and a burglary took place every 12 seconds. So while I've been standing here, even before you this morning, uh, more than one's place has been broken into because uh, the world is not stopping its actions. It continues. It continues to grow and to seek and to, and to move more. And I know you and I, we all want more for ourselves. We want more for our children. We want more for our families. We want more for our communities, more for our cities, and more for our world. We want more, we want more, we want more. But the question this morning is, at what cost? Are we willing to pay to gain that more? The only group in America that seems to be living in a state of satisfaction is the church. Only 6% of churches in America are growing. That may surprise you this morning, uh, but 94% of the churches in America are in decline because as the world wants more, we're influenced by those worldly desires. I believe this morning that the church is in a time where we have become satisfied with what we have. we become satisfied and content with where we are. Uh, we're content with those that are gathered around us every morning. Uh, there are three voices this morning that this world needs to hear from. 
This world needs to hear from, the, from God. This world needs to hear from the church. And this world needs to hear from you and I. Well, let me break that down to you a little bit more simple this morning. You and I are the church. You and I are the voice of God. And so God, this world needs to hear from God through you and I because we are the only representatives uh, that God has here on this world uh, to proclaim His message. God help us this morning that we never get satisfied with where we are. You know, there's a challenge every time that you walk behind this stand. If I choose a scripture that's very difficult and I have to lay a bunch of background and I give a lot of history, then I lose most of the congregation before I began. But whenever I choose a very familiar scripture, lots of times we just click the off button because we have heard it so many times. We've heard it from every angle and from everything that, uh, that can be said about that verse of scripture probably has already been said. But this morning, that second uh, is my challenge because I want to preach to you today out of Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through verses 14. We're talking about Paul in his very last days of life. Verse 12 begins and says, Not that I have already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I pressed, for, I pressed toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, this morning there's something a little inaccurate almost untrue in the statement that the church makes and that you and I make that says Jesus satisfies. Jesus does feel the emptiness of a life without God, but he does not satisfy. Jesus gives peace. He gives hope. He gives us assurance for eternity, but he doesn't bring satisfaction. And while Jesus does satisfy that empty longing of a life without God, and though Jesus on the cross of Calvary paid the sin debt of the world and satisfied that debt uh, to God as he uh, died and was buried in a tomb and rose again the third day uh, to ascend to the right hand of the Father to make intercessions for you and I. Uh, though today all of that was satisfaction, uh, the truth is God does not bring satisfaction. In, uh, Jesus does not bring satisfaction into our lives. If anything, Jesus brings a constant thirst a dissatisfaction, almost a godly discontentment with, a, with our hearts all as we follow and seek Him more each day. Because I'm going to tell you this morning, the more that I serve God and the closer that I'm drawn to God, 
And the more that I compare myself to Jesus, the more that I realize that I'm not where I need to be or where I could be. And so I become dissatisfied and I want more, more, more. And I want to do more. I'm not satisfied with where I am in God. You want to be more. You want your church to be more. You want your family to be saved. You want more for your community. We are no longer satisfied with where we are or the number of people uh, that we're reaching, the needs that are being met, or the people who are being rescued from an eternity in hell. No, we are not satisfied. I'm going to make a few statements this morning, and I want you to listen closely. Leaders, pastors, staff, teachers, mom and dad, teenagers, young adults, I want you to hear what God has to say to us this morning. In every growing venture, whether it is church, whether it's in your spiritual life, whether it's secular, personal, or business, in every growing venture, there is a person somewhere who is not satisfied with where they are. How many businesses have you seen that you and I grew up with are no longer here anymore because they were satisfied with what they were doing and they failed to look into the future and see where they needed to go and what they needed to do and soon they were done away with. They no longer exist. In every growing adventure, there's a person who, when things are going smoothly, wants them to go more smoothly. In every growing venture, there's that person that when they've given all, they still want to give more. You see, church today, we've gotten into a place that uh, we say, well, I'm doing so and so and so and so. Get somebody else to do that. But I want to tell you this morning, we need to look at ourselves and never be satisfied with what we're giving back to God for all that He has given to us. In every growing venture, there's someone, whenever they are carrying the max load, look for ways so that they can carry more, so that they can expand their limits. A person, whenever they've done all, find ways to do even more. They want to be more in their lives. Doc, I didn't ask for your permission this morning, but I hope you will not be offended. Uh, Doc worked right here in Anniston, Oxford area for many years as a chiropractor. Uh, but he saw more in himself than just being a chiropractor. And so he said, I want to go to the doctor. I want to go back to medical school and do more with where I am. I want to tell you this morning, I don't care where you've been, what you're, uh, what, that's where you are and how long you've been doing what you're doing. We need to see where we can go in life instead of where we've been and not be content with where we are today. <laughs> I'm going to do something this morning that I'd, have till yet today never done in a message. On every winning team, there is someone who refuses to settle for status quo. Let me tell you why Alabama fans are so happy. Because Coach Saban refuses to settle for status quo. They're never satisfied. They want to take it up one more notch. And I want to tell you this morning, we say we're on the winning team because we're on God's team. We need to not be satisfied with where we are as a church. Uh, we need to take it up another notch and get to where we need to be with God today. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
Growing up, I had many people speaking little axioms and little truths that I've heard ever since I've been in this world, and that's been going on 65 years that that I've been challenged with these truths. One of those was a rolling stone grows no moss. As long as you're moving and as long as you're going and as long as you're doing, uh, you're not going to get stale. You're going to keep moving. Uh, You're going to keep going. Another one was that you're quickly becoming what you're going to be. I want to tell you this morning, it doesn't take long to start a bad habit. It doesn't take long to get satisfied with what you're doing. You know, I every year, January, I generally start a product reduction plan for Don and and I try to take off 30 pounds the first three months so I can put on 40 uh, the last few months of the year. Uh, That's been my goal for years and uh, that's pretty much my, uh, that's the reason I've always been 30 pounds of a baby elephant because I've always done that. But I want to tell you it doesn't take you long to get where you are doing what you're doing. It doesn't take but one stop at Sonic to, uh, to grab a, a milkshake and, a, a, and start home. The next day you grab two and say one, two's got to be better than one. I want to tell you this morning, bad habits start quickly. Bad habits start quickly, and you can look around, and, and before you know it, you're set in a place of idle, uh, going nowhere today. But another one that they told me that, that I always heard was, it was always preached to me, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. If you're going to do something, let's do it right. This morning, if we're going to do church, if we're going to be the church, let's be the right church for God. Amen? Let's be who God wants us to be. Jim Collins wrote a book. The title of that book is From Good to Great. And in that book, Jim says, good is always the enemy of great. The enemy of great, settling for the way things are. We have to challenge ourselves to be more than what we are today. In every successful venture, there is that person that when they have arrived, they keep going that when everybody else is walking around patting them on the back, telling them what a good job they've done, uh, they're kicking themselves in the seat of the pants saying, "Uh, get up and keep going, there's more that you can accomplish. We've got to keep going this morning. Sometimes that individual is very strange to us. Sometimes that person who won't settle for uh, any station in life but just keeps working uh, seems like an odd individual. That person many times, or even that organization many times, is criticized by those who are not willing to go that extra mile, uh, to put forth that extra effort, uh, to to, to put forth to do what they need to do in order to become what they need to become. It's easier to point the finger at those who are successful and to talk about them than it is to get up and be successful ourselves many times. I pray this morning that each of us would have that drive in our lives to reach the potential that God has placed in us because that potential in your life this morning is unlimited. I look across this congregation this morning. I see people with unlimited potential. We've got some great talented people in Harvest. 
We've got people scattered all over the professional world uh, that attend our services and that are part of our family this morning. Uh, There's so much potential sitting right here uh, in this church this morning. And that potential ought to reach more than the professional side of us. It ought to also influence the spiritual side of us uh, that we pursue something more than what we are today. Maybe that's what Jesus meant in Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 when he said so be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect didn't Jesus know that we're not able to live a perfect life that we're not able to be perfect sure he did then why did he say that I believe in part of this reason is that he never wants us to be satisfied with where we are He wants us to keep working, to keep striving. Why? Because Jesus knew uh, that the sin of satisfaction would would be poison to our spiritual lives. Nothing destroys us any faster than being happy where we are. He always, Jesus wanted there always to be a space between what we become and who God is. Jesus wanted there always to be room for improvement from where we have grown to to where God is. He wanted us to always have that drive, that desire, that want to, that get up and go to be what we're supposed to be for God. He wanted that to always exist. He wanted us to keep climbing that ladder. I don't know about you, but... The older I get, the harder that ladder seems to climb, that whenever you put it up in a tree or up on a roof or whatever, that ladder's not as easy to climb as it once was. It didn't seem. But I want to tell you, the older I get in God, the easier it is for me to get up every morning and say, God, I want to know more about you. I want to have a closer walk with you. I want to fellowship with you today. I want to be more than what I am. Because a sin of satisfaction will destroy a church. One of the most dangerous places for us to be as we look at it from a pastoral staff or we look at it from members looking around at one another is whenever we get to that place and we say, we got it pretty good. I want to tell you, Harvest is a good church. It's a good church. It's got good people. We've got a good pastor. We've got good singing. Folks folks would give their right arm in many places to have the talent that we have uh, that stands on this stage Sunday after Sunday. We're seeing a few lives changed, a few needs met in these altars whenever we gather and pray one for another. We see those things happening, and we can say, we've got it pretty good. We've got it pretty good. Many churches today are sitting back, and they're singing that old rock song, Rock the boat, don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat, don't tip the boat over. And while we're rocking our way to heaven, souls are going to hell because we're not reaching our potential and the place and the commission that God left us to be this morning. We need to wake up today and see a world around us that is lost. If we're not careful, we'll let good enough become a place of satisfaction 
while our cities deteriorate, our families are not saved, our children are abused, and our school grounds have become war zones where families are falling apart at the seams, where drug culture is flourishing, our mental institutions are overflowed, and over half of the population is on nerve pills, while we watch a world groan in agony, and we hold that treasure in earthen vessels that they need to see and they need to be touched by this morning. I told you it's going to be a little different message today. While we are enjoying service from Sunday to Sunday, there's a tendency for us to become desensitized to the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And to become desensitized to that Great Commission to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. I want to tell you this morning, and I believe that God's heart is broken over and over again. Uh, the more and more we become complacent where we are. The prophet Amos, speaking for God himself in Amos chapter 6, verse 1, says, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion, whose sorrow awaits you, who, what sorrow awaits you who are complacent in Jerusalem. Jesus. Jesus is crying out against the sin of satisfaction. Don't ever get caught in that place because as long as there's one soul unsaved, one broken heart that's yet to be healed, one family in distress, one addict hooked on drugs, one prostitute walking our streets, one orphan that's looking for somebody to love them. Our job as a church is not complete. We should never be satisfied. God looked at the church at Laodicea and said, You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments for me, so you will not be ashamed of your nakedness and ornament for your eyes, so that you will be able to see. The sin of satisfaction shows no partiality. It destroys families. It destroys marriages. It destroys children. It destroys churches. It destroys lives. It destroys businesses. I recently heard of a very successful law firm. The founder had worked hard for many, many years to build this law firm up until it had a great name. It had a wonderful business. It had a wonderful influence. And it had lawyers working under it, under its umbrella to, uh, to serve the people in their city. And the founder decided one day, I've worked long enough, I'm going to retire. And so he passed it down to his son, and his son inherited uh, that great big firm. The father worked every day to pursue business to be more than what they were. But the son took over the head of the business and he instantly raised his salary to a half a million dollars a year and he sat back and he just took it easy. He partied. He had a good time. He was satisfied with where they were. 
Soon all the lawyers that worked under that umbrella began to disperse and go other places as he was content and partied and had a good time, not even realizing that the business was crumbling around him. And he didn't wake up until it was too late, and he was left with nothing. The difference between the father and the son was the son was never satisfied, the father was never satisfied, and the son was content with what he had inherited. You know, we as a church, we used to sing that song. I'm pressing on to higher way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand on, by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Now we're setting many churches just satisfied with where they are, content with what they're doing, and their song has changed to, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. I want to tell you this morning, God hates satisfied Christians. God despises satisfied churches. He wants us to be active, doing what seems to be impossible with others. You know, one day a man walked to the foot of the mountain, looked up at Mount Everest and said, I will not be satisfied until I climb to the top of the highest mountain in the world. He wasn't, and he did. They said a mile can never be run in under four minutes. A man said, I'll not be satisfied until I run that mile in less than four minutes and I break that barrier. He wasn't, and he did. I want to tell you this morning, it is not until we get, un get dissatisfied with where we are that we're ever going to take that challenge and, and decide that it's, it's not an impossibility with God. Nothing is impossible with God. You look around at these empty pews today and you say, well, Pastor, they've been, uh, they've been empty for a few uh, months now, maybe even a few years, and we've just grown to look over them. Every one of these seats, folks, represents a soul headed for hell. They represent a life that needs to be touched. They represent a life that needs to hear about God. They represent a person who needs to know what God's love really truly is this morning. I want to tell you today, if you're satisfied with your spiritual growth in God, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. There's something missing in your relationship with God. Because we ought to always want more. Oh, I've been in that place. I've spoken with people through the years where we said, you know, I've gotten to this place. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at anymore. I'm not satisfied. I, I want more than what I'm experiencing day by day. I, I've shared with you before, but I want to tell you the greatest blessing Don Maddox has ever had in his life. That's getting up in the, before the daylight hours every morning and spending an hour with God and just reading through and, 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 and listening to the Word of God and, and praying and meditating and talking to God because there's not a morning that I enter into that place that God doesn't have something to say, 
something to say to me. He looks down out of his world, out of his heavens, out of eternity, and he looks down through his word and he speaks into my heart. I can't tell you how many times, church, that what I've read in the mornings all by myself has been exactly what I needed to speak to somebody else and tell them that God is the answer for what you're needing in your life this morning. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, he said, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I don't consider myself to have totally conquered all the ground uh, that I'm supposed to conquer. Now, Paul was an old man. He was on up in age. He was in prison. In fact, he was in the dungeon in the bottom of the prison. A nasty place where he was chained to his own body waist every day, unable to move. And it was in that condition that Paul could have said and said, well, let me tell you what I've done. Let me tell you what all, where all I've been. Let me tell you the miracles that I've worked, I've seen worked right out by hands whenever I laid and what God's done through me. But instead of bragging on his accomplishments, he looked up and said, I've not conquered everything I need to conquer. I'm not finished yet, folks. I don't look back at what I've done. I look forward to what I can do. And even though it was just a few days until they took him out and put his head in the guillotine and the blade fell down and his head rolled off into the mud. God, give us people who are never satisfied with status quo. Give us people in, with that burning desire in their heart to see the world around them changed. Give us Christian people who are never satisfied. That always as we sing this morning, I've come into this place to enter into your presence. I didn't come just to do church this morning. I didn't come just to sing songs. I didn't come just to see all of you beautiful people. But I came to encounter God in a more spectacular way today than I've encountered Him ever before. I want more of God this morning. Give us people who are not afraid to tell the world what God's done in their lives, who will stand on the rooftops and, and scream out with their voice, I am not satisfied. I want more. I want more. As long as there's people living this, leaving this world without God, our work is not complete. I went to school 12 years, graduated, thank the Lord, from Pell City High School. All 12 years, I had a young boy. We were best friends. We did everything together. We liked the same things. We liked fast cars. We liked hunting. We liked fishing. We liked some things that we didn't need to like. But we did everything together. Not long after I'd gotten into the ministry, I heard the news. Charlie had drowned in the Coosa River, Logan Martin. The first thing that entered my mind, was he ready to die? Was he ready to meet God? 
Gretchen, I began to rehearse in my mind over and over and over and over and over and over again, trying to soothe my conscience. I started the church when I was six years old. My mom and dad got saved, and that's when we started. I never invited Charlie to any church activities. I was satisfied with our relationship the way it was. I never invited him to vacation Bible school. Never talked to him about God. And as I stand before you this morning, my friend may well be in hell because I was satisfied with just being a friend. I was satisfied with just our casual, easygoing, get-along-with-one-another relationship. And so all through my ministry, I've always had a friend that sat on my shoulder that said, Don, you've done pretty good, but you can do more. Today, whenever I leave, I'll have that same constant reminder. Don, you did pretty good, but there's more than just today. There's more to do. There's more than just this group of people that needs to hear about God. I'm satisfied this morning with what Jesus has done for me, but I'll never be satisfied with what I do for Jesus. I don't want to ever get to that point where I say, God, this is all I've done. I'm just going to quit right where I am, and I'm just going to enjoy life. I'm satisfied with what I've accomplished. I don't ever want to get to that point this morning. Let me shift gears and read one verse of Scripture to you this morning out of Ezekiel chapter 37. Israel had been in a state of spiritual lethargy for many years. Time and time again, God had sent warnings and they had just neglected them. Until now, they found themselves in bondage. God urges Ezekiel one more time to go before that people and offer them hope that he will again visit them, that he will again bring the house of Judah back home, that they can one day return to their homeland and be a mighty army. He begins in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, a sudden rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. 
Indeed, as I looked, the sinews, the tendons, and the muscles, and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. I love that passage of Scripture this morning. In verse 6, there's a phrase that says, Then you shall know that I am the Lord. You know, in Jesus' ministry, if something was important, he repeated himself. Truly, truly, I say unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Well, do you know that in Ezekiel, then you will know that I am the Lord is repeated 62 times. 62 times. So God is screaming to us this morning how desperate God is to be known among His people and known among the earth this morning. God wants us to know how important it is for us to prophesy life and prophesy a breath into people today. I see Jesus praying on the Mount of Olives as He overlooked Jerusalem in Luke chapter 13. And he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you, how often I wanted to gather your children together. Like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. This morning what God wants us to see is life coming into dead things. He wants us to foresee, to look into the future and see lives being changed through the miraculous power of the Holy Ghost. He wants to see lives uh, lifted up and brought together. He wants us to do away with this my way mentality and seek God's way for church and for, and for worshiping and working for God today. Let me tell you, we know how to do church. Can I tell you we know how to do church? We know how to have a good Sunday school class, whether it's Sister Jerry, Sister Karen, Sister Cindy, Randall, the children's classes, maybe my class. We know how to gather in there and talk about the Word of God and just going our way. We know how to gather in here. Hey, we can sing a song, make some announcements, pray a prayer, come back and sing a few more songs, take you all your money that we can get. Hey, preach you a short message of about an hour of pastor's preaching and, and send you home uh, clapping and rejoicing. We know how to do church. It's time we quit being our own orchestrator 
and we started seeking God's will and God's moving and God's spirit to move us and to motivate us. Yes, planning's great. Yes, I love things to go right. I, I love it whenever they hit the right note and sing the right song at the right time. And, and whenever they make a mistake, we all gawk on them like, my Lord, why didn't they practice? You know, we, we've all done those kind of things. But I want to tell you this morning, the most important thing you should ever get out of church is that challenge in your heart that I can be more than I was when I walked through these doors. I can be more than I was whenever I came through these doors this morning. I can be what God wants me to be. God, remind us that there's more. Help us to never be satisfied. Stand with me this morning. I want to take you back just for a moment. I don't know how long some of you have been saved. I don't know how long some of you have known God. But I want to take you back. And I want you to remember what it felt like that moment that you knelt in an altar and asked God to come into your life. I want you to remember that feeling. I want to tell you, and I've told everybody, whenever you mention 9-11, everybody thinks of 2001 the planes crashing into the towers, the Pentagon in the field in Pennsylvania. But when Don remembers 9-11, I remember 1973 in a rural church on a Tuesday morning with nobody there. I walked through the front doors of that church and I made my way to an altar. And I knelt there in that altar and I said, God, I'm no longer satisfied with my life as it is. Take it, make of it what you want to do. I'm willing and I surrender my life to you today. Oh, I, I, I can't tell that very often without tears coming to my eyes. I remember that feeling. I remember how, what a relief it was that day whenever I felt God's presence in my life and I, and I felt that spirit began to kindle that old dead body and make it alive in Christ. Take you back to that time whenever church was the most important part of your spiritual walk. If church doors was open, you were there. We didn't allow worldly things to stand in our way and we didn't plan things to take God's time and God's day out of our lives. Oh, we've all done that. We all still do that this morning. But we should never, ever, ever get satisfied to the point uh, that anything replaces God in our life and our communion with God should be the most important thing that we go through. Because I want to tell you, It's time we realize the tricks of Satan. Church, we've sat by and let everything in the world be taken away. From prayer in schools, to billboards, to nativity scenes, to this, that, and the other. We've even got to the point 
where this country, this United States of America, put it before a state legislator to legislation to pass a law that said a child can be born, that they can negotiate after its birth and decide whether or not it's going to be allowed to live. Thank God there was somebody there that voted that law down. Uh, but in another state in, uh, in, our, in our nation, they voted in a law that said we can abort them up to birth and then stood and cheered whenever that law passed in, our, in their legislation. Folks, we've sat around satisfied too long. We've sat, we've sat around in a place of status quo uh, too long. If you're comfortable this morning, I want you to reach out and take the hand of the one that's closest to you. If you're not, just stay where you are. I don't want to offend anybody. But as you reach out and touch them, I want you to feel that life that's in that hand. Some of you reached out and took hold of a cold hand. They say they've got a warm heart. Some of you have reached out and took hold of a warm hand. But whenever you reach and touch that hand, there's life. There's life there. That's what the world is wanting to feel. They're wanting somebody to touch them with life. They're wanting somebody to touch them and say that they can live, that they can be somebody, that they don't have to remain where they are, but there's something better than that this morning. There's something better than that. As you hold that hand, the Bible says two is better than one. Two is better than one. I challenge every one of you to find you a prayer partner. Find somebody that you can call on daily or weekly or monthly. Uh, call on and say, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me that I'd be all that God wants me. Somebody that will challenge you regularly to be what you need to be for God. Amen. I want you to put the words on the screen to this song, Ashley, and I don't want you to hold back. I want us to sing from the very depth of our lungs today. This is a song that God spoke to my heart yesterday morning as I was sitting in my study overlooking the notes that I was going to speak from today. Lord, put a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Because I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Lead us, Ashley. Let's sing that song. No place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. Is that your There's prayer? no place I'd rather be. And here in your love, here in your love, no place I'd rather be. Turn loose of that There's hand no behind, beside I'd you now and just be. wave it to God this morning. No place, no place I'd, I'd rather be. be. And here in your love, here in your love, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God, and I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. 
answer prayer this morning. Stretch your hand this way. Father, this morning, I stand before this congregation of people, and I ask you, oh God, you know the desires of our hearts. You know that we want to be more than what we are right now. We want to be all that you want us to be. We want to accomplish all that you want us to accomplish. God, and so I ask you, even now, as we're about to leave this house that we've come to worship you in today, God, that we would be the church, that we would be that voice, that we would be that individual that loves people without qualifying them, that reaches behind prison doors, that reaches into the ditches, the highways and the byways, and compel people to know you. Father, you're an awesome God. Oh, you're such an awesome God today. And we worship you and we praise you for all that you've done for us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God praise this morning. Amen. Give God praise today. What a great God we serve today. Amen. What a great God we serve today. I want to leave you with this verse of Scripture. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. We've read it often. It says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. But we never read verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Verse 16 says, I have chosen and consecrated this temple. We are the temple of God. So that my name may be there forever, my eyes and my heart will always be there. Always pursue what God wants you to be. Pursue all that you can be in God. I want to tell you this morning, it'll be the most satisfying life you have ever lived. Let me leave you with this challenge today. Wherever you go this week, brighten the dark corner of a lost world with the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you for being here today. Pray for a pastor that God would touch him today. God bless you.